Hello and welcome back to Alfredo on Maction. This is the second episode of this podcast adventure to uh man, let's get talking about Mac football again, man. Weather's nice. Spring's in the air. Guys are actually practicing. Coronavirus still exists, but ignore it because apparently that's you know, that's how we're supposed to be living our lives. Um no, don't do that. Mask up, please. Still mask your just double mask. It's not hard. It doesn't hurt. Wash your hands. It's easy. But I am here to talk about more Maction. Uh, thank you all for checking out the first episode where we talked about, you know, one, the intro, two, just my thoughts on where Mac teams currently stand against one another in a power rankings list. I do want to talk about two of those teams on the list today, one of them being Toledo, the other one being across the street, Bowling Green. We're going to talk about Toledo's quarterback room, kind of preview the athletes that's going on there because I think that's a very important position, you know, not only for its team, but not only for the West, but the Mac as a whole. We'll talk about them. We'll talk about Bowling Green as a whole, uh, mostly through the lens of the transfer portal because they're losing hella guys. But before we get that, I just want to get a few plugs out of the way. Go ahead and follow me on Twitter at MaxionPod. If you like the show that you're about to hear, head over to patreon.com forward slash Alvarado on Maction. For just $3 a month, you can help support the program, help keep this thing going. I I do want to use do- do- the donations as a source to, you know, not only help my own pocket, of course, but spend that money to improve this program. Have that be reading subscriptions at newspapers. I, you know, I live here in Michigan, so I'm already subscribed to a couple papers out here, but Akron Beacon Journal, you know, that's one I'd like to subscribe to, but having donors that are proud of a Mac football podcast and want someone like me to read off the, you know, stuff from that sort of newswire that they may or may not be reading as well, you know, let me help you out. And for $3 a month, I can help make that happen. And also the, you know, production quality of the show. That would improve too, but that that doesn't come without financial funds. Come on. But if you got something to say, hit me up on the Twitter, like I said, or via email, alexonmaction at gmail.com. Let's get into the Toledo court back room, though. I'm done talking about Patreon. The Rockets went 4-2 last year. The Rockets are usually a team that's picked to win the West. Uh, maybe not by everybody. It's not always a consensus. But when they are, usually it's deserved because they have great recruiting. They have an established footing in the MAC for winning games, not just, you know, being good and having all these talented players from all over the country and all across the Midwest and right there in their backyard of Toledo where they have good high schools to, to uh, you know, to get players from. But Toledo overall is a good mid-level program, right? They've had not as much success as they might prop themselves up to be. They haven't always achieved, you know, they only won one MAC title in the 2010s. And considering the teams that they were able to field, it kind of felt like they should have had more. A lot of that falls to the feet of NIU in the first half of the 2010s. And then later on, they eventually won one in 2017, but they hurt themselves in a lot of ways. After they won the MAC title in 2017, you know, it was Logan Woodside's final year there. Good pocket passer who found himself as a, I think he was like second to last draft pick at the time. After that, he went to like Cincinnati, 
Uh, didn't totally make it out there. Played professionally, non-NFL. I think he was last with the Tennessee Titans as of like the 2019 season, 2020. I really don't know. But after him, they didn't really have the same style of quarterback to, you know, fill his shoes. And he was someone who threw, you know, a boatload of touchdowns over the past, you know, over his career, really. They didn't have that same sort of threat from that from that quarterback spot to stretch the field with the receivers that they had. But they still didn't have that. The next guy that was in line was Mitch Godogny, more of a dual-threat quarterback. And he played well in his own right, you know. I, I didn't think he was going to be all that great. He played pretty well. I think he had all Mac accolades, but he didn't, he wasn't able to see a full season. Injuries got the best of him, and the team wanted to move in the direction that fit Guadagni's style, be more, be more favorable to a run-first approach sometimes, use his legs more. But they didn't also have other quarterbacks to mesh with that, and it was just a whole identity that Toledo's offense was just kind of like sifting out of and into something else and then to have that something else just not even be on the field half the time or most of the time you know it just doesn't help especially when the next guy after that a young Eli Peters who hasn't really come into his own yet even though he was a you know he's a pretty talented sophomore at the time after he had transferred from Illinois his freshman year Toledo was just kind of a mess it had a lot of talent but it just couldn't put everything into fruition which is why it didn't win as many games as a lot of people probably would have expected in 2018 and 2019. After the 2019 season, Brian Wright, the offensive coordinator, quarterback's coach, he got the head coach job at the D2 level with Pittsburgh State. Replacing Brian Wright for Toledo for the quarterback's coach, though, was Robert Weiner, who came in from Plant High School down in Tampa, Florida. And he's a guy that coached, you know, a lot of, you know, big-time D1 players. I'm not kidding about that. Aaron Murray, he went to Georgia. He's the SEC's all-time passing leader in yards and in touchdowns, I believe, too. You know, Robert Marv was pretty good, uh, played over in Purdue. And then Tucker Gleason, we'll get to him a little bit more. But, you know, he was a talented quarterback who came in and played only two years under Weiner and broke a whole bunch of school records. Weiner's a guy who himself has had a lot of success with quarterbacks. Obviously, he's won four state championships, uh, made it to the championship game six times total, 14 consecutive district titles from 2006 to 2018. A lot of consistent success at the high school ranks uh, down in Tampa, Florida, where, you know, things are big, you know, and he's not winning with, like, you know, under-recruited guys. He's winning with guys that are really good at what they do. And he's helped them make them be really good at what they do. Looking at the offensive production from 2019 to 2020, speaking for Toledo now, you know, under Weiner, who was a first-year co-offensive coordinator with the Rockets, you know, in 2019, Toledo, again, still a pretty good team. It was fourth in the MAC at 6.09 yards per play. That average in half as many games, let's be real, but still, even in half as many games, uh, the yards per play average still went up by 0.4. Um, that's a whole team thing. Looking at two quarterbacks individually, though, Eli Peters, who was entering his redshirt senior year in 2020, Carter Bradley, 
These are two guys from Jacksonville, Florida, mind you. Uh, highly recruited. Carter Bradley was, you know, more of an Elite 11 guy. I think it was an Elite 11 finalist his senior year of high school, too. Neither of them were at the level that they probably should have been playing at, especially in 2019. Eli Peters in 2019, he was he was a sub 60% passer. In 2020, his his passing rate went from 59% to 68%. Carter Bradley, younger guy, I thought there was still a lot of promise in him. Um, didn't have a ton of in-game reps, and when they were, it was just nasty situations. So I never really bought too much into his season scorecard. But still, from 2019 to 2020, he did see vast improvements in himself. His QBR doubled. 87.5 in 2019, 164.1 in 2020. They got more big plays out of those guys. Toledo lost the division by six total points, three to Western, three to Ball State. I don't think quarterbacks were had anything to do with Toledo losing those two games. You know, I don't remember being dissatisfied watching the quarterbacks play in either of those games. I think Toledo still has a little bit of ways to go, but I don't think they're so far off from, you know, going to Detroit in 2021. I really don't. And I think that Peters and Bradley, they're both really good quarterbacks to rely on, but, you know, even the guys beneath them, they're still really talented in their own right. I thought this was going to be a quarterback room that might have seen some transfers because it's all right there. You know, Eli Peters. He started out at a P5 school. He was at Illinois. He transferred out after a month, though. Carter Bradley, like I said, Elite 11 finalist. He had tons of offers. Daquan Finn from Detroit. He's going to be a sophomore again. He was Mr. You know, Mr. Michigan, basically. Michigan's Mr. Football or whatever. Uh, his senior of high school from Martin Luther King High School. Flipped to Toledo, thankfully for the Rockets, from Central Michigan. That was big. They still have Gavin Hall, who's young. He used to play back up to Justin Fields when he was in high school down in Kennesaw, Georgia at Harrison. And A.J. Guisardo, he was a pretty talented quarterback out of uh, Holland, Ohio, too. The one quarterback that they're bringing in this year is Tucker Gleason. This guy, this guy's really good. You guys need to check out his huddle whenever you get the time, though. I, I really, really, really am excited to see him whenever he sees the field, uh, assuming things pan out for him, that is. But just looking at... You know, let's just read the press release, the little bio on his page from Toledo's website. Played for current quarterback coach for Toledo, Rob Miner, of course. Threw for 2,000 yards, 27 touchdowns as a junior in 2018. Was second player in high school history, in plant high school history, to throw for that many yards and rush for 1,000 yards in a single season as a junior. Is also the second leading rusher by a quarterback in plant history, despite playing only two seasons at the school. He had played somewhere else in his freshman and sophomore years, transferred over uh, junior year, and was just awesome. And if you just watch the tape, you'll see like what I'm talking about. He's a big guy. You know, he makes a lot of strong throws, makes nice makes nice touch throws. He he runs aggressive. He's fast. He has big strides. He's not easy to bring down. He's 6'3, 225. You know, and if I don't know, man, if there's any proven track record for a quarterback to instantly come into Robert Weiner's program and have instant instant success and win championships. 
I mean, Tucker Gleason's that kind of case study, right? Transferred over during high school. Had instant success in his two years. Started out in 2020. He graduated, signed with Georgia Tech. Uh, only spent one year with that program and transferred over before the big signing day this past winter. So it's a loaded quarterback room. There's a lot of talent. There's a lot of people that really wanted these quarterbacks. And I thought that, you know, especially this year, given how young Bradley Finn and Hall are, and there's still time. I could still be wrong here. But I haven't seen a reason to believe it because none of these guys, to, of as of this recording, have hit the transfer portal at all. And these are guys that, you know, went to big programs. They were told that, you know, a lot of teams believed in them. A lot of teams wanted them. There's a lot of offers, between, you know, amongst these quarterbacks that aren't on the field. But they're still in Toledo. They're battling things out. Toledo's getting a good quarterback out of it, too. I mean, that was always my thing. You know, whoever sees the field, they're beating out that next guy. Like, the guy they're beating out is really good, so whoever's on the field better be really, really impressive, right? That wasn't really the case in years before. And in 2020, in only half a year with, you know, a new new quarterback coach in a really time-constrained year, let's put it like that, I was impressed with what I saw out of Toledo's quarterbacks. And in 2021, who knows? Who knows? But I expect to see a very, very good quarterback on the field right away. Looking at the transfer portal, though, Bowling Green, uh, it probably sucks to be you, man. I, I feel so bad for them. Scott Loeffler, in you know, in a little video to the to the media, he addressed you know a lot of things, just like the roster overview, the goals, you know, what went wrong, how they're gonna go about fixing them. He said, of the players on his roster that have three years or two years or only one year left of eligibility. There's only 22 of them. Outside of those 22, there's all freshmen. There's all freshman eligible guys. And guess what? <laughs> They're probably all going to see the field too. Because according to ESPN's Bill Connolly and his returning production statistic, uh, which the list was published in the beginning of February, it's now the end of March. The transfer portal is heating up a little bit more with transfers, or th- transfers with practices going on, players figuring out where they do or don't fit within the systems that they're at now or will be at later on. At the time, Bowling Green was 68th on the list with a bunch of teams that are at a very nice 69% overall coming back, 59% of it on offense, and a heavy dose, 78% of it on defense. I don't know if that's a good or a bad thing because, as Mr. Loeffler himself put it, they're not good at blocking or tackling. And looking at the transfer portal, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven starters from Bowling Green. Seven guys that started for Bowling Green, at least one game in 2020, most of them, most games, are in the transfer portal, including uh, cornerback Caleb Biggers. He's at Boise State. Linebacker Jerry Roberts, he's at Arizona. Defensive lineman Ronald Walder, he's still in the portal. I don't think he's anywhere yet. Andrew Clare, the running back, he's at Northwestern. Julian Ortega-Jones, he's... Let me check my list. I don't think he's anywhere yet. And offensive lineman Cameron Stage and Joe Ware 
are at Western Kentucky and undeclared, respectively. Man, I, I don't have anything great to say. I really don't. I don't have any, like, super smart thought about, you know, you know, how do I twist this narrative into something else for Bowling Green? How do I twist this into, you know, looking for a positive for Bowling Green? I truly don't at this point. I really, really don't. And a lot of it is just because, you know, they've come off of that 0-6 season. Sure, they beat Toledo in 2019. They're, Toledo's ready for them in 2020, though. So all the steam that we had from that is gone. They also lost to Akron, who had lost 21 straight before that. And, you know, for a team like Bowling Green, man, if you're not going to beat Akron at that point, I don't know when you're going to beat them next. I don't know. Not that I want to project too much on 2021. I don't know how many games they're going to win if they don't have, like, any experience to lean on, like any at all. Again, only 22 guys are non-freshmen on this roster. And these guys are going to get hurt. They're not always going to be. Those 22 are not going to be on the field at all times. And those 22, they're not the most reliable to begin with. There's a lot to be had at Bowling Green, but I just don't have, I don't have any clue of where it's going to come from. I don't have any clue of where to expect optimism. Maybe on defense, there's a couple young guys that are, you know, they make plays, but I don't know. I don't know if it's enough for, you know, someone from my position to really buy into and really look at it and say that not only is there improvement because, you know, Darren Anders is having a good game, but I don't know if Darren Anders is having is playing well and that there's more to buy into from Bowling Green's system into creating good defensive backs. I don't know if that's going to be the case. I think if that's going to be the case, I'm just going to say Darren Andrews is doing a good job because Darren Andrews is a good football player and maybe he makes it you know, into the NFL ranks, maybe not. But if Darren Andrews has a good year, I'm only going to credit him. I don't know if I'm going to credit the system because what's going to happen to the system, whether he does or doesn't make it to the league, Overall, the system might still be a bad system. I don't think winning football games immediately was a huge goal in mind for the people that hired Scott Loeffler to do his thing, which is an awful byproduct, by the way. If you're not trying to win now, you're not trying to win. I get that they're trying to mend things in Ohio and make the Bowling Green logo matter in the locker rooms that they want the Bowling Green logo to matter in. You know, they want guys from Colorin. They need guys from Whitmer. They need guys from TCC. Because the old pro, the old plan under Jinx, that was just to go to the oil mills down in Texas. And they don't want that anymore. Or at least it led them to go to Texas more, more than they realized. And so maybe Scott Loeffler and his program's doing a good job of making, making Bowling Green matter in the Midwest again. But that is a silly startup job to have when you were in Detroit three times over the last decade in the 2010s. This isn't a startup job that you need to like keep trying out at. Bowling Green already has a history. Bowling Green already has a good fan base. Sure, it's only Mac level decent, but I don't think you need to keep thinking that we're going to live and die by guys that just graduated from Toledo area high schools that are now 19 years old. 
Like, is that really, was that really the plan? Like, you wanted most of the team to be 19 to 20 years old, just as long as they're from a 60-mile driving radius? Was that really, was that really the plan? You were, like, you really wanted to go, like, 1 and 11 in 2021, come hell or high water, just because you don't want Texans on the team anymore? Is it really worth it? I mean, I mean, I'm sure I'm overstating it by a lot, but I mean, but that's what it's leading to. That's really what it's leading to. And that doesn't even mean that you know it's going to pay off in the long run either. That's the worst part. We don't know if forcing all these freshmen to see the field is going to pay off in the long run. It did for Ball State, but how many Ball States are out there? And guess what? If some of those freshmen don't like it, they're going to go where some of these other guys went. They're going to go probably where Andrew Clare went, probably where Isaac James Gray is going to go, or Rodell Rahman, or Noah Massey. You might get them on the field, but you know what? They might understand that, hey, if I'm good enough to, to rake here in Bowling Green, I still only have four or five years left. I might use my next three to four somewhere else. And if those freshmen, you know, find out that they're more talented than they realized the ceiling was over in Bowling Green, you know, so be it. And good luck to them. But then after that, Bowling Green's going to have to be like, well, who do we got next? Hopefully our system's in a good spot to figure this out. But hey, thank you for joining the show with me today. If you haven't already, follow and like and subscribe to the show any way possible. Uh, hit the five stars, hit the like buttons, all that stuff. You know how the internet works. If you really like the show, let a friend know that there's a Mac football podcast out there that they might really, really enjoy. And it's this one right here. And if you're a hardcore friend or supporter, uh, head over to patreon.com slash alvaradoonmaction.com. Be a pal, donate $3 a month and keep this thing going and growing. Once we get up to 30 donors, I'm going to make a Discord for all Mac fans alike to come and hang out in. If you've got anything else to say, hit me up on Twitter at MaxionPod, via email alexonmaction at gmail.com. Thanks again for listening, and I'll catch you all next time. <laughs>